Welcome to Soul Sessions with Creative Mind with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado of Creative Mind. Join us each week for an inspiring conversation about personal development based on Jungian philosophy, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Spend each week with us to explore deep topics in a practical way. Let's begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soul Sessions with Creative Mind. I'm Deborah Barrett Maldonado. I'm here with uh, Dr. Rob Maldonado, and we are good to be here. Excited to share this uh, next episode with you, continuing our series on the great mind of Carl Jung and what he's contributed to psychology. And I think this is one of the biggest concepts that he's contributed, which is the dark night of the soul. So we're getting a lot of requests for this topic. <laughs> so sit back and open your mind and heart to hearing about the dark night. But before we begin, I do want to mention, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and make sure you are getting notifications of every episode. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So the dark night, this is a widely <laughs> not known the Batman movie. Yeah. Not the Batman movie, but it's a widely <laughs> known, but often misunderstood uh, aspect of Jung's work, and we're going to yeah. kind of lay it out for you today. What it is, what it's not. And why I, you should do it. <laughs> yes. Why you should accept it and welcome it, right? The gift of the dark night of mm-hmm. the soul, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, let's start with uh, Jung himself, because he underwent a dark night of the soul himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's where uh, the good stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, if we talk about active imagination, understanding the unconscious, integrating the shadow, the individuation process. It all came through his dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. So in 1913, Jung, who was really heir to Freud's work and was set to take over as the crown prince mm-hmm. for Freud, they have a, a breakup, essentially. They dissolve their friendship. Their collaboration. Uh, their collaboration, yeah. yeah. So in, in essence, Jung finds himself out of the club of mm. uh, drifting. No career goal or, or path anymore. Mm. Uh, he was he had invested a lot in his relationship with Freud and was said to become again the the heir of the psychoanalytic movement. Mm-hmm which was big at that time. It was the cutting edge of psychology, mm-hmm. psychopathology, all these incredible movements that were going on at that time. And so he was kind of like kicked out of the club and feeling a little like disoriented. And so now he had no mentor and he had to yeah. kind of cultivate his own path, which I, a lot of us can relate to where we're, we feel kind of thrown off our path and we, we don't know we have to like kind of look within to see where to go next. Yeah, the looking within, introspection mm-hmm. was the key for him. Mm-hmm. He was forced to really look within himself and consider, do I really believe what I'm talking about? Because mm-hmm. he had been writing about the unconscious and exploring these deeper psychological elements of psyche. Can I walk the walk in essence? In our lives, it comes down to that. It's easy to expound a philosophy, a theory, a a belief. Mm -hmm. But if you don't really live it, you're fooling yourself. Mm. So he's always said, like, it's like 
the theories, but you really have to know it directly. That's right. And so he went through what he called the the night sea journey. He coined that term, which is sort of a metaphor for what we do yeah. when we go through the dark night. So the dark night, can we just say what it is? Is like a time, a pivotal time in our life? Yeah, it's a, it's a time of disorientation, but a necessary disorientation, a disillusion with our persona. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a breakup of our own uh, internal process of identifying, over-identifying as persona, as ego, and asking the deeper question, if I am not this persona, if I'm not just my profession, my mm-hmm. role for him, or was, my my part, a wife or a husband in a partnership or a mm-hmm. parent, you know, we identify as these roles, a son and a son or daughter of someone who, you know, a lot of children who are born of someone who is famous or someone who had, you know, a lot of influence or success, yeah. and then they're kind of like. I'm not that person, and I've always been identified as like Joe's rich son, you know, or the heir apparent. But you're, it's not really who you are, and then you're you're kind of kind of like being like, wait a minute, the path that was laid out for me in the beginning of life isn't where I want to continue. And we all get to that point where it it, it feels as though a crisis happens in our life to have us examine what do we want to do for the rest of our life. Like what it like has us kind of reexamine yeah. our life, our relationships, our work our spiritual beliefs and throws us through a little loop. Well, I would say it's not, it's not that it feels like a crisis. It is a crisis. It it has to be. In Mm -hmm. other words, you can't stay in your comfort zone Mm -hmm. and do the dark night of the soul or shadow work. So so so-called bad things that bad events that happened or these things that show up, whether you're a business owner and you have like, a crisis that happens in your business where there's some kind of financial thing happening or a team thing, or it could be a career where you get laid off or a relationship that doesn't work out or uh, someone who passes away that you're kind of like, wait, I don't know who I am without that person. Uh, We start to, you know, feel this like upheaval in our life, that chaotic upheaval. And many people think it is a bad thing that happened. This is a terrible thing, this terrible event that happened in my life, but it's actually an opportunity. It's it's an opportunity to, sh- it's like shaking things up so you can reorganize and reset. Yes, but you're giving the, the punchline away. Okay, all right. Because let's go back to what happened to Young then. Mm-hmm. So he starts to go inward mm-hmm. and he starts to have these visions, very intense visions to where he started to question his own sanity. Mm-hmm. And this is real again. It, this is not a light uh, kind of weekend uh, retreat <laughs> where you go through something like that. This was years for him. Mm-hmm. Years of uh, wrestling with that inner demon of the shadow and coming to terms with his destiny. Mm-hmm. So he has this vision of Europe drowning in blood. Mm. This is a terrible vision. He he describes it very vividly in his writings. And this was right before World War One, mm. which was kind the of bloodiest prophetic. war at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Prophetic of what was coming. He develops during this period the process of active imagination, mm. trusting that is taking the internal vision 
of the psyche, what was what the psyche was throwing up through dreams, through visions, taking that as real, mm. not as just metaphor, but as or fantasy, or yeah. as fantasy, but as a as a deeper layer of the ultimate reality of human nature. That changed the game for him because that process of paying attention to your inner world mm-hmm. right? like your and also your dreams too like the dream like yeah. it's not just an accident there's a random dream that seems like a nightmare that's right like the seeing meaning in all of it and taking it seriously as this is the central work of my life instead mm-hmm. of projecting it outward and saying no my uh, my destiny is to become freud's heir and Mm. and student and carry on his work it throws it back on you and says what are you here to do what is Mm. your mission what Mm. are you passionate about Mm -hmm. so he starts to write the red book which is only published in 2009 Mm -hmm. um, at his request but he dedicates time and effort to writing in the red book Uh, his vision Mm. and his uh, experiences of of that inner world. The idea of spirit guides, that's where it comes from, right? He started to to perceive within his psyche spiritual guides that were teaching him and guiding him on the the process of individuation. But they were part of him. Like It wasn't like an external guide. It was his inner guides. Well, it depends how you define him, right? Well, the collective unconscious, like it's all part of the same. Yeah, but this is key. Because if we identify as persona, Mm -hmm. in other words, if you identify him as Carl Jung, the the psychologist who was working with Freud, that's not who you are, essentially. Mm -hmm. That was the realization he was coming to, that that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. That is a role that I'm playing, a persona. Mm Mm-hmm. So these elements of the psyche, he says, are autonomous. Mm. In other words, he wasn't creating them in a conscious way. He wasn't imagining them and and doing guided visualization. Mm-hmm. He was allowing them to come and yes. talk to him and that's right. Interact. And- They're independent of the conscious experience mm. that we're having. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're out here in the world going through our relationships, our work. And he continued, of course, to work and to be in the world. But he was going home and paying attention to this inner world that was going on. And he was writing it down. Mm. That became the shadow work, the individuation Mm. process. Essentially, all the major concepts that we know now as Jungian psychology, analytical psychology, came from that period. He came out of it. Mm. You know, it's not a permanent condition. Mm. In other Mm. words, you're not meant to stay in the the shadow work Mm. and the dark night of the soul forever. But you have to stay long enough to do your work. And if you don't face it, your life is vanilla. It's bland. It's uninspiring. It's Mm. black and white. It's survival. And if you're willing to face yourself and and discover who you really are, then your life becomes rich and profound and has deep meaning because we're here not just to exist. We're here to create something with ourselves, you know, for this life. Are you looking for a satisfying career as a life coach? 
If you are seeking a deeper path of training and growth, Creative Mind University offers an ICF accredited life coach training program that goes beyond surface positive thinking and into a powerful process of real transformation. You can start your new career as a certified life coach trained in a unique methodology based on Jungian theory, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Get the tools to become your true self, change your life, and the lives of others. Visit creativemindlife.com, click on apply, and speak with one of our team members today to discuss your future and possibilities of becoming a certified life coach. That's creativemindlife.com. Yeah, so he called this episode in his life the night sea journey, mm-hmm. which I love, right? Because we were recently by the by the beach at night and we were watching this thunderstorm mm. kind of brewing up in the sky. Uh, and you know, the, it's like mysterious, the right? darkness of the, the ocean when you look out at the horizon at night. That is a great metaphor for this journey that we undertake. Mm. What is the ocean? What is that water? It's the collective unconscious, the unknown, the mystery of our being. Mm. If we do not dare to go into it and ask the question, what am I here to do? Mm-hmm. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're missing out on the main purpose of life. We're simply staying on the surface, on the land, mm-hmm. and saying, I'm not going to do this. I can't do this. Well, it, it's like you stop looking outward for that security, that fulfillment. It stops being fulfilling for you. And you could have great success, but it feels as though this isn't it. This isn't what I, I know there's more in me. I know I was meant for more. And we turn inward and the ego resists this because the ego just wants you to prop externally. So Mm. there is resistance. And when we think of the dark night, it's not all dark and negative. It's actually just unseen. It's like going into a dark cave. I always uh, use a metaphor of like, imagine going through a cave and there's you don't know, but there's a pot of gold in there. You know, that treasure hard to find, as Campbell, Campbell would say, Joseph Campbell. And it's like inside that, but you have to kind of go through and face your fear of going into this dark mm-hmm. unknown cave, but you know that there's treasure there. But most people, if you show them a cave and said, it's you're going to have to walk a mile in the dark, but there's treasure at the end. I would say most people would be like, you know what, I'll find the treasure somewhere else. I don't want to go into that dark cave. There could be scary things in there. It could be dragons and snakes and, you know, creepy crawlies and all that. And so we have to kind of face what's going on inside that we didn't want to face before, that the ego has like pushed away. And that's what the shadow is. It's, It's a shadow. It has like a kind of a dark kind of sense, but it's more like things that that don't have light. Like a shadow is where the light doesn't go. There's no no penetration of light. That's why there's a shadow. The shadow re- is just behind the light. And so if we can bring light to the shadow, it's no longer dark. You know, it's bright and we can see things clearly. And we have to see those parts of ourselves that have remained unconscious. And Yeah, so Jung says the reason, the reason we avoid the shadow, like the plague, and we'll do anything, like he says, people will do the most ridiculous things in order to avoid the confrontation with their own shadow. The reason we do that, and we all do it, this is mm. not just some of us, we mm. all do it, we, we try to avoid the shadow. He says, the reason we avoid it is because it threatens 
everything we've created as persona. Mm-hmm. In other words, everything we've invested in, everything we've dedicated at the first part of our life to creating this personality, this persona, this identity of this is who I am, this is my work, this is how I'm going to, going to fit into the world, the shadow threatens everything of that. And no matter how much we want to change, how many great visions we have, we just put it off, the, the, the things in our life. I want to write a book one day. I want to start my own business one day. I'd love to do something else with my life. I'd love to get my art and work on my art. But no, my bus- my job is taking up a lot of my time or my family, and there's no place for you. And uh, eventually, you just live your life to keep pushing it away. And that's what the gift is. Something will happen that will shake you up. Like the thing, something will like, like the rug getting pulled under you. For me, it was uh, the same thing. I I kept putting off, you know, leaving my corporate job and finding my passion, putting off, finding a true partner. I just settled for someone and I ended up breaking my engagement. I ended up a week, that same week getting laid off from my job and then having to leave the place I lived with my fiance at the time. And I called it my homeless, manless, and jobless time. And really, basically, everything that anyone would mm-hmm. think was secure was stripped away from me. And that was a, um, a friend of mine had just got out of coaching school. So she's like, do you want me to practice on you? And I said, sure, like, I need it right now. And it really did, like, I had to examine, like, why did I, how did I get here? How did I almost marry the wrong person? How did, why do I'm staying in this job that's just not feeling fulfilling for me why am i so afraid to make a change and that moment basically it took a, about two years for me to finally step into what i was supposed to do but that all that time was about really going inward and really figuring out who i was what i wanted in life and it was necessary and it happened when i was 36 years old so that time young says that about midlife we start the first part of life is building up the ego but everything i wanted i had to destroy the persona i created the corporate girl the security the you know all the things i built up to basically let that all go to start over and that is scary it's a scary thing but you know what that's so it feels scary but it's the best thing and but that's why people resist because it is uh, the antithesis of safety security and comfort for me, it was the opposite. Like we're often mirrors of each other. <laughs> For me, it was achieving everything I thought would bring me success, mm-hmm. happiness, and finding that on the contrary, it brings you the opposite. It throws you into a period of chaos, despair, disorientation, mm-hmm. a feeling of meaninglessness, right? Mm-hmm. Because here, here, everything external that you've worked for is given to you Mm -hmm. you've achieved it and that emptiness is still there Mm -hmm. there's no there's no reason why you shouldn't be happy that's this right there's nothing that you can say when i get those things Mm -hmm. i will be happy you have them Mm -hmm. but you still you're still empty that's the dark night of the soul Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. it's a it's a period of deconstructing your identity from the inside out kind of like change like your priorities for your first half of life starts to shift yes so it can be both it can be the loss of your identity through loss of a marriage a job or the 
attainment of those things mm. and still finding yourself feeling lost. Yeah. And I, that is, it is a, like a pivot point in your life. And I did actually, after I got laid off from that first time, I did actually go back to the corporate world again because it's so hard to make that full pivot. And I still was like, why am I here again? Like you may have made that pivot a couple times and then you go back. I think it, that's important too, that it's not just like one time. It's a process that you go through of wrestling and maybe being tempted to return and then saying, this is still not it. And I know I have to keep going uh, because your ego doesn't want to be uncomfortable. So the more you push toward change, the more uncomfortable it becomes. The ch outer change becomes very uncomfortable. And then sometimes you don't even know what you should do and you feel like, well, if I don't know, then I'll just go back versus keep moving through and, and then asking yourself what you want versus asking other people's advice, getting a career coach or, you know, someone, your parents to tell you or friends give you advice and tell you what you should do or your peers. You have to find the answer within yourself. That begs the question, right? Mm -hmm. What do we do when this happens? Mm -hmm. The ordinary person, they don't have access to this deeper psychology. Mm -hmm. We know there's very, very few people that really understand Jung's work, first of all, and then very few people that have access to people that can help them undergo this process of individuation in a psychological way, in, in other words, in a, in a structured way that they can use it for their enlightenment. I want to say that many people confuse this, what I call persona swapping. They have this moment and then they're like, I'm going to be someone completely opposite and I'm going to push away or reject my childhood, my, you know, events that happened in the past. And I'm going to become this other person. I'm going to push away insecurity and become power. I'm going to push away poverty and become successful. And what you're really doing is just flipping the coin to the other side, but you're still operating from ego and still defining yourself by external things. And that is really where people get stuck. I'll just believe in myself or mindset. I'll just work with my mindset and, and think differently and think positive, but you're just rearranging the furniture again. You're not really integrating the other aspects of your personality of why you judge this thing that is so yeah. terrible and and what do you have to face so it is a process but you know i don't think it needs to take years i mean there's an evolution uh, that will last the rest of your life and you'll always be evolving but that pivot point doesn't have to take that long if you're willing to have someone help you guide yeah. you through it someone who's been through it not someone who, who understands the theory, but someone who knows it by going through and wrestling with themselves. And it's a highly emotional uh, experience. It's not an intellectual experience. It's emotional. It, it pulls up all the things that scare you, but in, a, in an empowering way because you face it. It's like facing the dragon. You're not afraid of it anymore. And so you're, you're really getting empowered by going toward these difficult emotions or these difficult ideas or concepts of yourself. Instead of kind of making them positive, you're really like just accepting like all of your humanity. And I think Jung's work is really powerful for our planet and humanity itself is that we have to stop putting people in categories of good and bad and starting to see humanity as more complex that there's not us in them. There's a more complex aspects to our psyche that aren't just delineated in that hard light and dark phase. There's like gray areas and there's perceptions and the way we look at things uh, and the way, way we look at people. Just like a, looking at this dark night, not thinking of it as this 
terrible thing that happened to me. For me, it was the best thing that happened to me. At the time, I was terrified, but I knew why. I had this like intuition. This is something I need to face. And we, you kind of feel it. You're like, I set this all up for some reason. I know I, needed, I need to face this because I've been ignoring it for too long. So Jung, uh, he understood this work that he was doing and found the meaning of his work by understanding that society's cultures had been doing this from the beginning of time. Mm. This is a natural process mm. of our human evolution. Mm-hmm. Individually as well, it's part of our development. We're not meant to merely survive and fit in socially as persona. We're meant to transcend ourselves, to find something bigger than ourselves where we can transcend our ego. Mm-hmm. Not just living for ourselves and our family and our career, but really be connected to the collective. Mm-hmm. Right? So this was also his discovery of the collective unconscious. You know, you mentioned something interesting uh, because we know a lot of thought leaders and we hang out with people that are, they're doing big things in, with their life. They're, they're successful in ways that many people find it very difficult to comprehend and to, to achieve those things. But often we see that what they're doing, like you said, is, is simply trading in one persona for a shinier bigger persona Mm. right they're they're thinking when i achieve bigger things then i will be Mm. good enough i will be satisfied when i make the million or the 10 million or the 20 million or Or 100 million yes then i will be enough but that's an error again in in the psychology of transformation the external cannot satisfy that inward need for transformation. We all think it will. Like our ego thinks, if I just had enough, mm-hmm. you know, money and, and power, then I could, you know, be and have, find the right person to love me and have a family. Like I would have everything I needed. But on the surface, it, yeah, that sounds like they have it all. But when you really look at it, if that's what they're identifying with, everything external something's going to happen. And so I think it's very important, especially for thought leaders to do the individuation process, go through it, because they're responsible for inspiring so many people, millions of people, books they have out and speeches they're doing. And if they're not doing their own work, almost like they're giving people half the equation when it comes to personal growth. And so I I really feel like that would be something of like a requirement for people to really be happy being that role. Instead of being exhausted or feeling like it's a lot of work or uh, pressure or like getting exhausted, overworking, like finding themselves like exhausted from their their all their goals. Or we see the the other side of the coin also people that have great skill and talent. Mm -hmm. We know they have a purpose and a mission, but they think that the external is bad, that if I create success for myself that I will be betraying my vision. Mm, like I'm, It's not spiritual to be successful. Both are fall into error. It is about understanding that your inner transformation, this coming to terms with the shadow of the dark aspects of the psyche, bringing them to light, integrating them, facing your fears, going through this inner transformation, this deconstruction of the old persona and the reconstruction of this new center of being Mm -hmm. is a spiritual work. 
and that when you do this, you will find your purpose in life and you will achieve success. Mm. And then the, the success that you create will be in alignment with mm. that higher vision that you have for yourself. And, and then others. business and, and family and all those things become easy because many times if you have a big organization and you're a thought leader and you have a team, they're going to reflect your mind and, you're, and uh, you'll feel like you need to keep firing people and you, you don't have the right people or people are letting you down or partners are getting in the way and that's reflecting of your mind. And so to understand, oh wait, this is an opportunity to see my mind using these conflicts and these these challenges in our life to grow, even in as simple as a relationship, instead of wanting the relationship to be perfect and we love each other all the time. It's like using conflict and using the challenges that happen within a relationship to grow, not to uh, an excuse to leave and move on to the next person. So what do we do now? Like, I think one thing I'd like to bring up is this, uh, you know, we have this uh, crisis that happens in our life mm. where we, we feel this confusion. We don't know where we're at. It's almost like we're putting a pause on things. And a lot of people confuse that with depression. So I'd love for mm. you to hear you distinguish. How do you know if you're clinically depressed, like clinically where you need medication and you need therapy, or if you're just adjust or if you're going through the I hate to say just or if you're going through the dark night of the soul and and, and that's a different prescription I would say yeah. I mean it's difficult because we don't want to let's say diminish the importance of getting help if you are clinically depressed mm-hmm. or you know you've been diagnosed with depression you need therapy you need maybe medication even or a time in in a clinic or something like that that's important to make sure that you t- you're taking care of yourself or your loved ones that are going through those things. But I, do, I would say the main distinction between clinical depression and um, the dark night of the soul is that in the dark night of the soul, there's this existential questioning mm. of your purpose, right? It's a spiritual quest that it's, it's being, uh, you're being thrown into the arena, this labyrinth of, can you find meaning in your life? Can you find your way to the center of who you are? Yeah, you know that this isn't who you are. And you know there's deeper parts of yourself. So those three questions of who am I? What is the world? And what is my purpose? Yeah. Those three questions you start to ask yourself, like, I don't even know who I am anymore. We hear people say that, like, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. And then on the other side of the dark night of the soul and their indiv- individuation and shadow work, they're like, I don't even recognize my past self anymore. Like, it's like I'm, I've, I've had this transformation. That yeah. Happened. Now, it can be, of course, that let's say the dark night of the soul is your calling or mm. it befalls uh, you to experience this, that if you do not find your way out of that labyrinth labyrinth because you don't have a guide or you don't Mm. have the people around you to support you or a coach, like you were saying, or a therapist to to help you, that after a while you you do start to get depressed because you're not finding meaning in your Mm. life. You Mm -hmm. start to to really experience hopelessness, mm. uh, this darkness appears to be, there appears to be no way out of it. Mm. That's a very powerful experience that can drive us into a real depression. 
a sense of hopelessness, right, of meaninglessness. In my clinical psychology courses, we used to talk about lethal levels of meaninglessness, Mm. that we can reach these levels where we can't find real meaning in our life, and it puts us in danger, essentially. Mm. Those are special circumstances, and that's exactly when you need to set the intention to find people that can help you. And that's the hardest thing for many people is to ask for help or even admit because this world is, you know, don't worry, be happy. And everything's like this Instagram persona. And, you know, the you should be grateful, you know, for all the things you have and be just be positive. And sometimes it's, people have shame around their dark feelings and, and their sad feelings. And I think there's so much judgment around it versus saying, oh, we're getting to a vulnerable place here. This is where the soil of the soul is starting to get rich with uh, nutrients and, and it's starting to say, hey, there's something happening calling me. I think if we didn't have this collective unconscious and the soulful self pressing through this autonomous unconscious, we probably would just live on ego level and survive. But there's this powerful force that wants to be expressed what is more for us you know the the kind of the possibilities and the potential that we have within us is constantly calling us and so it's pushing us toward that and what what we're feeling mostly is that resistance and but we there's that push and that pull and that's the the kind of chaos and the disorientation that happens it's almost like shaking us off our ground a bit Yeah, and then there's this dangerous uh, tendency in our culture to pathologize everything, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is trauma. Everyone is traumatized. And And if you just um, heal your trauma, then this thing will will go away, kind of, right? Yeah, well, let's put it this way, that the framing of experience is important. If we frame everything, if we see everything through the lens of trauma, that's the only thing we can see because it's it's like the frame that we're using to understand that experience. Mm-hmm. But if we open it up and ask, is there another way of seeing this? Is there mm-hmm. is there a way of seeing our human suffering in a more creative way mm-hmm. where it leads us to this transformation, to this deeper understanding? Mm-hmm of soul and meaning, then there's a possibility that we'll find it, Mm -hmm. right? That we'll see it. And sometimes those events are catalysts for us to search because we, we, there's nothing really there for people to transcend it. We have, it's a spiritual, the soul needs to be reclaimed. And I love the idea of this process being like a purification, a psychological purification. Could you talk a little bit about that? Like what that means? Yeah, so Jung was very interested in spiritual traditions from different parts of the world. And what he noticed was that they all had one thing in common. They all emphasized this purification, this ritual, ritualized uh, process of purifying our mind from that ego buildup of our karma, right? Like burning up the karma they talk about in Eastern philosophy, right? Yeah, because... We know from really disciplined scientific studies in psychology that we're all conditioned. Mm. Whether we know it, like it or not, Mm. life, the environment that we grew up in conditions us to see the world in a certain way and to respond to the world in a certain way. 
Jung saw that a lot of these spiritual traditions were designed to purify our mind or the human mind of that early conditioning mm. experiences or the experiences of conditioning so that the individual could really perceive themselves in this new light. Well, a lot of them times they change their name, they change the, their cloth from like a certain stage of life. They move and they have a different kind of a costume in the, these cultures that show that from girl to woman, from boy to man, there's this like a ritual that happens. And we don't have that in our society anymore. No, and often people try to intuitively produce that kind of challenge for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. I, I remember when I, when I was a teenager, I instinctively sought out experiences that would test me. I wanted to be tested. I wanted to see what I was made out of. That's kind of an instinctual part of it. But imagine having structures, societal structures that can take you through those experiences mm. in a meaningful way so that you come out the other end knowing who you are. Like I think in junior high, they should have a, a pre-individuation <laughs> uh, ritual like where the counselors can talk to the kids about what group they're falling into, how are they led, how are they defining themselves by the groups and the associations and their either whether their grades or their sport acumen or their creative acumen or their beauty <laughs> or their muscles or whatever and, and start to see how they're constructing that persona and maybe even consciously create mm -hmm. it a little more. Understand projection, understand like what they're pushing away. And then another phase, like in their 20s, when they're looking for the right career is like looking inward versus looking outward and looking what's going to make them the most money or what uh, their parents want them to do. And then that, that stage of a 35, 40, 45, where you're going through that rebirth, I think that would be another phase. And then also mm -hmm. getting older. I think once we turn 50, we start to feel different too. We're not the young person anymore. We're now the leaders of society. We're stepping into roles that are more uh, leadership and we need to be conscious. I mean, if the leaders or the elders of the world are unconscious, where are we going? Like, And so it's like every stage has an important part of this process. Yeah, that's another important element in Jung's work that mm -hmm. he's looking at this bigger picture of if we're meant to individuate, and most people are not, what kind of world are we creating? Mm -hmm. Well, we're creating a world that's based on ego function, mm -hmm. meaning that its emphasis is on material survival and social fitting in. And without the, the satisfaction of real spiritual transformation mm -hmm. and real meaning, derive from the insight mm -hmm. so that people start to orient towards the external and think when I get more money, when I get mm. more gold, when I get more, more fame, I will be satisfied mm. and I will be enlightened or, mm. or as prosperous as I can be. He says that's a very dangerous world because when people are dissatisfied with their inner world, they fall victim to cults to mass, mass. mass movements, to the mob mentality, the herd mentality that he talks mm -hmm. about in some of his books. That is a dangerous world. And we are seeing that playing out in the world right now. Mm -hmm. right? This, this kind of, these kind of movements uh, towards tribal identification, mm -hmm. towards uh, divis division within groups, to projection, mm -hmm. right? Projection of the shadow 
unto others mm. and saying they are the bad ones. They are the, the ones that are causing the problem when it's an internal process. So the dark night of the soul, now that we can see it and understand it from this perspective, we see that it's an, an essential, necessary part of human culture and human uh, awareness that we need to bring back. We need to put it at the center of the human experience and create ways for human beings, especially leaders like mm -hmm. you were saying, right? Leaders that can then serve as models for the followers. Well, a lot of people talk about corporate greed and these, you know, CEOs are making like 500 times more than the employees and they're not giving back and it's all about profit. And so imagine a conscious leader, conscious leaders that are concerned with the whole, the, mm. the, the corporation as a whole, like it's a living, breathing, it's full of people. Now people, some companies are bringing in coaches to help with the personal development because it does help the bottom line when happy workers and they understand themselves and team building, all these things. So this session today is not just about your own personal journey, but about the journey of, of our ourselves as human beings on this planet and humanity as a whole, that we need to look at ourselves and we need to be honest. It's, it's about a raw honesty versus I just want to look at the good parts and I, I'm going to get rid of the bad parts or change the bad parts to be positive. Like there's so many people like I see out there that are talking about shadow being beliefs. It's not about negative beliefs. It's about concepts and energies in yourself that are being denied. And so it's a very, very deep work that will change your life and change the lives of, of many people and shifting. And uh, so it is really incredible. Um, and I, you know, our, our mission is to get this out more, uh, making it more mainstream than just this fringe, like Jungian psychology that no one can understand or only certain people that get it, like do the work, like imagine everyone in the world being able to transcend their ego and really understand projection and understand how they can have the resources within themselves to create a life that they truly love and not project that the world is is not giving them what they want. They, they can be empowered to know they have their inner resources. It's, it's an incredible time in the world. And I think we are going through a dark night of the soul with climate, with government institutions, religious challenges that we have. There's a lot of challenges we can face as a collective ego and, uh, you know, ego consciousness on the planet and shift it by starting with ourselves. We always say that the best way to deal with a world problem is first deal with ourselves and be clear on ourselves. And then we'll know how to deal with that world problem. But if we haven't done our own shadow work, our ego is going to try to fix the problem and yeah. be in that us versus them mentality versus What's really going on here? How can I really see the truth of what, uh, what I'm experiencing? And then being able to help others take that journey as well. The next step would be for you is just ask yourself, where has this happened before? What did you learn from that journey? Or if you haven't, at, look at your life, assess how much of your life is propped up or your identity is based on external things. It's based on what you achieved, what your marital status is or your partnership status, what your body looks like, what your, your beauty looks like, what kind of house you live in. Like, how are you defining yourself? Oh, your education. Those are all external things. Yeah, it all begins with that introspection. Mm -hmm. So whatever your challenge is, whatever is confronting you at this moment, 
think in terms of why did I create this? Why, why is this showing up for me? And examining your own role, the role that you played in creating this situation, not to blame yourself, but to understand that you have the power to change it. Whatever situation you're facing is your own creation. Mm. There's no one else that can create it for you. You're the one that creates it from the inside out. Now, are there unconscious forces? Of course, the unconscious is is essentially the one that's dominating in the psyche before people do individuation before in other words before they face this dark night of the soul it's their unconscious programming it's their their past conditioning that is creating their world Mm. as you go through the dark night of the soul and you integrate the shadow meaning you make the unconscious conscious as Jung says you accept it you accept it you integrate it it becomes part of your knowing of who you really are then you're able to change things from the inside out. Mm-hmm. In other words, your your vision then, your purpose becomes the way you start to live your life. Mm. And so after the shadow work, this new you emerges. So we always feel like there's a lot of energy in the chaos. But then that energy, we start, it starts to form into something else. Our true self, it's like a rebirth that happens. And there's an emergence of power and energy and clarity afterwards that is, Jung says that you can never go back again. You just kind of feel this sense of, wow, this is really different. (laughs) I feel different. I know, I see the world clearer now. And that's where that intuition is heightened. That's where when you think positive and have a vision board and and imagine your future, that's when things are on supersonic speed. But before that, your shadow is going to interfere with everything you want to create or the things you're struggling with or the things you're chasing. It's like an unconscious motivation that we don't know what's motivating us. And we got to see what's motivating us. Is it the ego or is this really coming from our soul, coming from our deepest self? So beautiful process. We've been through it. It's not for the weak at heart, but it's definitely worth the journey and worth the gifts that come afterward. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky because the process is still around Mm -hmm. and Jung left us written map Mm. a map of the psyche Mm. and how to do individuation Uh, this is always the case that we have all the tools uh, as human beings to solve all our human problems Mm -hmm. everything from climate change to pollution to uh, politics (laughs) yeah division in politics we have the tools it's simply finding the strength and the courage through our own individuation process, meaning through our own transcendence of our ego, to carry those things out. Mm-hmm. And and the only way we will do it is if we start with ourselves mm-hmm. through this transformation. Yeah. So heavy topic, but also bright topic. It's not all dark and dreary. It is a rite of passage in a way to where we really become adults. Jung says that life really begins at, at 40 until then, you're just doing research. And it's sort of like before the yeah. dark night, you're just doing research and having a vague idea of why you're here. And then after shadow work, you're so clear on who you are and who you want to become and how you want to live. And the choices you make become more conscious yes. and affects everyone around you. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, before we go, I do want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast if you're li- listening to us on Spotify, iTunes, 
want to make sure you you get every episode and 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 hear the other episodes this is the first one you're listening to you want to hear the other past episodes about Jung's work and we get into lots of interesting concepts that if you're new to his work might be interesting for you to learn about yourself see you next time all right take care Thank you for joining us and don't forget to subscribe to Creative Mind Soul Sessions and join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Session. See you next time.